Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Hear now the word of the living God. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is the word of the living God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Lord, now is the appointed hour when you speak to your sheep. We pray that the preaching of the word of Christ would be the word of Christ to the covenant people of Christ. Give us aid in the hearing of your word. Give me aid in the preaching of it. That together we may feast on the truths found in your perfect, infallible word, which is without error. In Jesus' name, amen. Could it be, brothers and sisters, that a lack of thanksgiving is our biggest problem? Or perhaps said slightly differently, could it be that humanity's first problem was a lack of thanksgiving? What I mean by thanksgiving is not a day that we set aside to eat turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy and pumpkin pie, but rather the act of giving thanks to God. Could it be that this lack of thanksgiving is a root of all corruption? In our text, we will see this morning that there is a unique relationship, a unique connection between honoring God or glorifying God and being thankful to God. That you could say that being a person who gives thanks to God is a person who glorifies God aright. Al Moeller, writing on these Ideas says this, quote, clearly honoring God as God leads us naturally into thankfulness to honor him as God is to honor his limitless love, his benevolence and care, his provision and uncountable gifts to fail in thankfulness is to fail to honor God. And this is the biblical description of fallen and sinful humanity. We are a thankless lot, end quote. And he's absolutely right. In this passage in Romans chapter 1, famous for a description of the corruption and depravity and sinfulness of human beings, there is a hinge point, a place where it all becomes clear. And that is in this verse, in verse 21, because although they knew God, as we'll look at in a moment, human beings did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their hearts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Have you ever considered that the darkness that you see described in Romans chapter one really is a result of humanity failing to rightly thank God? Let me outline verses 18 to 23 for you. We'll look at them in a moment, but let me outline them in verses 18 to 20. We see this. No one is righteous. 
because we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. No one is righteous because we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. Verse 21 then says, the root cause is that we do not glorify God nor offer him thanks. So why do we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness? Why is it that we are unrighteous in Adam? Well, the root cause is that we do not, we did not glorify God, nor did we offer him thanks. And so verses 22 and 23 teach us what we do instead. Instead, we offer thanksgiving to idols. So if you're trying to outline verses 18 to 23, it could be written this way. No one is righteous because we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. Verse 21, the root cause of this is that we do not glorify God or offer him thanks. In verses 22 and 23, what we do instead is offer thanksgiving to idols. Boys and girls, idols, false gods. This morning, I want us to see how believers are restored to thanksgiving. How believers are those who have been restored, yes, to God, but ultimately, as well, restored to the ability to offer God thanks. We'll see this this morning in our text. But let's walk through it and see three realities. We've outlined our passage. We've seen the connection in verse 21 between Glorifying God and giving thanks. So let's explore this further in three simple ways. Number one, sin's root problem is not thanking God. Sin's root problem is not thanking God. Now, maybe at the hearing of that, you thought to yourself, but I thought I've heard before that sin's root problem was unbelief. After all, Adam and Eve didn't believe God in the garden. Or maybe you've heard it said this way. No, in the garden, sin's root problem was pride. And of course, these are different slivers. But brothers and sisters, they come from the same piece of pie. To not believe God means to diminish the truth of God, which means you don't thank him the way that you ought. To be puffed up in sinful pride is to put yourself in the place of God, thereby meaning you thank you and not God. Not thanking God is intimately connected to not believing God's word and to having pride in your heart. Sin's root problem is not thanking God. Let's see this from the text. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. This was our point earlier. None of us is righteous because we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. Verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, that's you and me, human beings, so that they are without excuse. This is the problem. This is the problem that has plagued us from the garden. Verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed. The section begins with the word for. 
when we were walking through the book of Romans several years back, we made the case that verse 18 is rightly connected to the previous verses. For the wrath of God is revealed. What comes before these verses? A description of the gospel. A description of the gospel. John Calvin makes the argument that the reason that this section is included is that following the previous section, speaking of the righteousness of God through faith in the gospel, he, that is Paul, must argue that none of us have our own righteousness. You don't fly to Christ. You don't rest in the gospel of Christ alone if you're clinging to any hope that you have righteousness in yourself. Paul then describes us, doesn't he? The wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That word wrath there is not an emotion in God that is shifting. It's not a passion that is changed because of us. But it's an unwavering bent in goodness against sin. You see, God is good. And to be good means there is no love or movement toward evil at all. No desire for evil. God has an unwavering bent against sin and the upholding of his own justice. So God's wrath for sin is revealed. And we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. What truth do we suppress? Look at verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. You see, every human being has a general knowledge of God from creation. There are those who say that General revelation does not really reveal God, even apologetically. I would say the Apostle Paul disagrees. The Apostle Paul says that creation itself shows that there is a God. And we are right to point people to creation. Who made this? Who is the author of such an exquisite world? God has shown certain aspects, certain attributes of himself in creation. And these are, as verse 21 says, invisible attributes. The book of nature reveals God. Who can forget Psalm 19, verse 1? The heavens declare what? The glory of God. Do you know that when you look at the stars at night, when you look up and you see the planets, there's a message there. God is Glorious. Now with our technology and the telescopes that we have and the ability to see galaxy after galaxy after galaxy, there's a message in the sky for all of us. You may have been witnessing and heard someone say, if there is a God, why doesn't he just write it in the clouds? He has. The heavens declare the glory of God. But we suppress this truth. Now all of this... All of this then moves us into verse 21. What is the root of this? Why is it that we suppress this truth? Well, of course, you will say we are born in Adam. We're born sinners. That's absolutely right. But humanity as a whole. Why? Verse 21. 
Because although they knew God, meaning could see the existence of God, could see the glory of God, could come through general revelation to see that there is a God who rules and reigns. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Nor were thankful. The root of sin is a lack of glorifying and thus thanking the eternal God. The Puritan Matthew Poole, writing on this passage, says this, quote, They did not own God to be the author and giver of all good things they enjoyed and return him thanks accordingly, but referred all to chance and fortune, their own prudence and providence, the influence of the stars, etc. That etc. has to be there, doesn't it? Because human beings are forever creating, as John Calvin would say, a, a factory of idols. We thank everyone. We offer praise to everyone but the living God. You see, when you understand God aright, when you glorify God, the next impulse is to thank him. This is the very thing that we didn't do. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. The text will continue to describe all manner of sins that humanity has sunk into. In fact, verses 24 to 32 give us three different areas of sin. Three different areas of sin that God has given us over to. Verses 24 and 25, God has given us over to misdirected praise. We praise everything but the living God. Notice there in verse 24, Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. Verses 26 and 27 reveal that God has given us over to misguided living. Misguided living. A particular example here is how, in many cases, sin has reached the extreme that people end up giving up what is natural for that which is unnatural, particularly in sexual sin. And then a third passage or third way in which God has given us over is in verses 28 to 32. God has given us over to a debased mind. Now think about this list of sins. This is a description of humanity, of the human race separated from God, their creator. Just listen to this last section. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. I'm not thankful for the bounds, the good bounds that you've put on sexual practice. So I will reach outside of that and have what I will. Wickedness, covetousness. You know that covetousness really is the opposite of being thankful to God. God, you have not given me what I deserve. Maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, 
Lord, I'm not thankful for your truth. Therefore, I will make up truth of my own and tell it to others. If you were to just walk through this list, it's absolutely astounding how many of these sins flow out of hearts that do not thank God as they ought. Sin's root problem is not thanking God. Even sins like verse 29, they are whisperers. Some of your translations may say gossips. I actually like the, this English translation because in the, in the Greek, the word actually has this sense of onomatopoeia. What that is, boys and girls, when words are spelled a little bit like they sound, people whispering. What is it when you whisper about someone else? What is it when you gossip about someone else? Well, it's when in a lack of thankfulness in your own heart for what God has done for you, you seek to take from someone else with your words. Sin's root problem is not thanking God. Friend, how has thanklessness to God impacted you? Now, this entire section doesn't begin with a description of the wrath of God being revealed against all sin. It actually begins in verse 16 with these words. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel precedes this long, several chapter description about the lostness of individuals. And one of the realities here is that the gospel of Jesus Christ frees the sinner to rightly thank God again. The gospel, the saving word of Christ. What is the gospel? Well, the book of Romans will reveal this. Paul writes elsewhere in 1 Corinthians literally what the gospel is, but boys and girls, the gospel is what Christ has done. Now, many of you in the next 60 to 90 seconds might think we've heard this. Why are we lingering here? But I found over these years of ministry that it's not good to assume the gospel. The gospel is not what you do to respond to the gospel. The gospel is not your repentance. The gospel is not your faith. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. What is the gospel? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I would remind you of the gospel that I proclaim to you. And then do you know what he says? It's not a word about you. It's all about Jesus. That he came, that he died for sins. That he was raised on the third day. This is the gospel. The gospel is what Christ has done. And when, in the hands, as it were, of the Holy Spirit, this gospel takes root in your heart, you are freed from sin and corruption 
and from being under the wrath of God, and you're free to thank God again. You're no longer under the corruption of a heart that is not thankful. You ever thought about humanity lost, serving false gods? Picture in your mind those that you have the hardest time handling in the world. Those sinners which bother you the most. Maybe they're political. Maybe they're governmental. Maybe they're particular kinds of sins that you just can't stand and you really have in your own remaining sin a hard time having mercy towards individuals like that. Picture who that is. And think about the reality that at the core, their problem was your problem. Not rightly aligning themselves in relationship to God and therefore not offering him thanks. Because, verse 21 says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. You see, now in Christ, believer, you are free to offer thanksgiving to God. That's actually one of the freedoms you have. You can thank God. You rightly understand who he is in Christ. You're rightly resting on Christ and thus you're in the right position. You're a child of God. You're no longer under God's wrath. And you can see every single day of your life when you awake, the living God is worthy of thanksgiving. You're free. You're free. To not be under the chains of verse 21 of Romans chapter 1. You are no longer a person who fails to glorify God and offer him thanks. Because Christ died for you. So now, how does this really hit your week? Well, now in Christ, every single day, you can thank your way out of sin when temptation comes. Think about what I just said. You can thank your way out of sin when temptation comes. Now, of course, what I mean by that is you're relying on the Spirit. You're relying on His Word. But if in moments of temptation you begin to thank God for who He is and what He's done, it will make it extremely difficult to say yes to sin in that moment. There's too much praise and thanksgiving to offer God right now, Satan. Be gone. I don't have time to fall into this sin, Satan. Because God is worthy to be praised and thanked in this moment. You want to put this on the computer screen and tempt me with it, Satan? Be gone. There's too much thanksgiving to offer to God. You want me to covet what my neighbor has, Satan? If I were to just sit for a moment and reflect on all that God has done for me, there's too much thanksgiving. I don't have time for sin, Satan. Sin's root problem is not thanking God. But secondly, thanklessness darkens our minds and hearts. Look at verse 22. Verse 21 says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Have you ever thought about human foolishness and human darkness? 
having connections to not thanking God? Are, are you thinking rightly? Because one of the descriptions that flows out of a heart that refuses to thank God is a futility of thought. A futility of thought. Right thinking is thinking that comes with a thankful disposition in mind. The text says their foolish hearts were darkened. Yes, this is a description of how humanity has fallen into sin. We're guilty in original sin or sin in Adam. And we heap up our own sins. And sin, like a virus, has covered every aspect of our lives until we're freed in Christ. Part of the reason for this corruption and this futility among human beings is connected to a lack of thankfulness to God. Robert Haldane writing a century or two ago, says this, quote, one of the principal parts of our worship is to acknowledge our dependence and to magnify him in all things by consecrating ourselves to his service. The opposite of this is what is meant by the expression, quote, neither were thankful, end quote. See, we often think of Thanksgiving as something that only happens with our lips. Thanksgiving also happens in how we live our lives. Well, what is Thanksgiving or giving thanks? Because we've said that sin's root problem is not thanking God. And we've said from this text that thanklessness has darkened our minds and hearts. Well, what is giving thanks to God? This week I reflected on this. From this text, it becomes increasingly clear that thanksgiving is a rejection of self-sufficiency and self-glory. Thanksgiving is a rejection of self-sufficiency and self-glory and an embrace of utter dependency on God. You know why we fail sometimes to thank God, even as believers? Because there's still too much of us in our eyes. I don't have time to thank God because I'm busy, because my life and my family's life and perhaps the world's life rests on me. But when you realize that every breath, every heartbeat, every blessing, every morsel of bread comes from a good and righteous father, you begin to be filled with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a rejection of self-sufficiency and self-glory and an embrace of utter dependency on God. One word of qualification, because in our day, we're so filled with thoughts of emotions. Everything is about emotion. So we make certain biblical categories that were not predominantly emotive, and we turned them into emotions. You know, things like, I'll forgive you when I feel like it, as if forgiveness is a feeling. I'll praise God when I feel happy. 
As if praise is only an emotion. Similarly, with thanksgiving, we need to understand that thanksgiving may come with positive emotions, but it's not primarily an emotion. It is a disposition of mind and heart. You wake up, you may feel awful. There may be many challenges before you that very day, but you can still offer thanks to God because thanksgiving is not an emotion, primarily. Sometimes it comes with wonderful emotions, doesn't it? But it's a disposition of mind and heart. It's a rejection of self-sufficiency and glorying in self. And it's an embrace of utter dependency on God. And Romans 1 says that at the core, humanity's problem involves, in part, not thanking God. And this thanklessness has darkened our minds and hearts. We have convinced ourselves that we are self-sufficient. And that's the human condition. Why thank a God who I cannot see when what I can see with my eyes is how sufficient I am. So why live according to these moral dictates of this God? And the end of Romans 1 fleshes out this journey of humanity. So in addition to sin's root problem involving not thanking God and this thanklessness darkening our minds and hearts, we see lastly that we make idols in our thanklessness. Look at the connection between verses 21 and 22. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. What have we done in our failure to glorify God as human beings? In our failure to thank God as we ought? Well, we've taken the innate sense of worship and awe and we've attributed it to creatures. Ourself, others, created things, made up religion. Verses 22 and 23 says that this is the changing of the glory of God into an image. Not only does humanity have the wrong gods with a little g, they also have the wrong worship. We've broken the first and the second commandments. You see, in our thanklessness, We offer thanks to false gods with our lips, but so often with our lives. Said differently, each human being will be offering thanks to something or someone. Who will it be? Now, this is a description in Romans chapter one of the wrath of God being revealed against the unrighteousness and the ungodliness of men who failing to glorify God and failing to thank God have become darkened and futile in their thinking and have offered worship and thanksgiving to false gods. But just prior to that again, I remind us, Paul begins in the face of this utter corruption by saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel 
of Christ. Because, or for, it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Salvation, not just from the consequences of sin and the just deserve wrath of God for sin, but being restored to right relationship where God, where now I am a creature who increasingly thanks Him as I ought. Brothers and sisters, we have been freed from our darkness and we are able, unlike all lost people, to truly and rightly offer God thanksgiving to His name. One of the benefits of being a believer, one of the benefits of offering God thanks, or knowing Christ, rather, is that you thank God. God is praised rightly. Again, And of course, if we just take a survey of the Psalms, the Psalter, which Christ himself sang while here on the earth over and over and over, what do we see but calls for God's people to do what? To thank him. Let me just give you two examples. Psalm 95, Psalm 95. Listen to the way this psalm begins. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. He saved us. Verse one, verse two of Psalm 95. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Or how about Psalm 107, verse 22? Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And declare his works with rejoicing. Who can do this? God's people. The world doesn't offer God sacrifices of thanksgiving. But we do. We have been freed by Christ in the gospel. And brought by his spirit to new life. Where as we breathe this new life. We grow in thanking God. In fact, it is this last psalm, Psalm 107, verse 22, that our confession, the London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 22, paragraph 5, on religious worship, quotes this psalm as one of the reasons why it says the following words. Now think, what is right worship? That's the question that the writers of this confession are trying to put together from all of Scripture. And here's what they say. That public worship is, quote, the reading of the scriptures, preaching and hearing the word of God, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, as also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper are all parts of religious worship of God to be performed in obedience to him with understanding, faith, reverence and godly fear. Moreover, solemn humiliation with fastings and thanksgivings upon special occasions. That there was enough evidence in the scriptures to say that there are going to be seasons where the people of God 
in special occasions are actually going to worship God publicly in thanksgiving. Other times they'll do it in fasting. You can see examples of this where the church fasts in the book of Acts. There will be other times where the people of God are seen publicly as worshiping God, what? With thanksgiving. God, we enter into your presence, as Psalm 107, verse 22 says, with the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Who does this but the saved? Those who have been freed from living with their own gods in view, trapped under the lostness and deception of sin, But it's God's people. It's God's people that have been freed from sin and death. The Spirit has given us life. He's regenerated us. We've trusted in Christ alone for salvation. We've begun to think rightly. Our disordered thinking has become increasingly ordered by the truth of His Word. And we see increasingly, every single day, there is much to give God thanks for. And we will never... Thank God as much as he deserves. We will never be perfect in our thanksgiving. But brothers and sisters, one of the things that is true about us that is not true of any other lost person in the world is that even imperfectly, we have been freed to thank God again. The Puritan Thomas Manton wrote these words. He hath continually favored us and preserved us and poured his benefits upon us. The mercies of every day make way for songs which may sweeten our rest in the night. And his giving us rest by night and preserving us in our sleep when we could not help ourselves. Giveth us songs in the morning. And all the day long, we find new matter of praise. Our whole work is divided between receiving and acknowledging. Think about that. Your whole work as a Christian, Manton says, is either receiving from the hand of God or acknowledging God for what he's done. What's a description of a believer? What's the resume of a believer? One who can simply say everything is from God. And everything is worth me acknowledging the King of Kings and Lord of Lords for. Could it be that a lack of thanksgiving is actually humanity's biggest problem? Let's pray. Almighty God, help us, your people, To rightly offer you thanksgiving. We see in your word that a core problem of our entire race is a failure to glorify you as we ought. And thus to offer you thanksgiving. We don't want to be like that. You've given us spiritual life. You've awakened us to spiritual truths. You've saved us by the blood of the Lamb. So, Lord, we don't want to be like that. 
We want to be people who offer you thanksgiving. So fill our mouths and our songs and our homes with thanksgiving. Whether it involves a feast on the table or not. Fill our church and churches all across this land with thanksgiving. That your people would increasingly offer you thanksgiving. Because you freed them to do that very thing. You freed us from the tyranny of thinking we have to depend on ourselves. And you freed us to thank you in all things. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.